Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. There are some messages that are hope-filled. There's some that are faith-filled. There are some love-filled, encourage and inspire. But you know, that's not my only job, right? My job also is if there's, if there's moments of correction or if there's moments of, of warning, to give you those warnings too. I'm supposed to be a shepherd. I'm supposed to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death and hopefully two green pastures and still waters. Yeah, that's, that's what you want. And so we've been going through a series called This Is Our Story. And I, my main big rock goal through this whole series was recognizing the times in which we live when you start talking about identity and identity politics and polarization of people. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. I, I wanted you to see who your real identity is from. Your real identity comes all the way back from Adam and Eve. I, 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 want, I do want you to understand that, that our, our DNA, as, as scientists study DNA of people, that 99.96% of our DNA is the same. And, and scientists are now saying, we, we all come from two people, two. Of course, we know who those two people are, right? We, we, we would say, who's, who's, our, who's our mama, who's your daddy? <laughs> Adam and Eve. Well, if we all come from Adam and Eve, then that makes us related. So you didn't know it, but you're sitting next to your cousin right now. How many of you know in South Louisiana, that's real possible. You are sitting and you don't even know each other. <laughs> Who's your mama? <laughs> Wait a minute, that's my mama too. <laughs> that could happen. And so I wanted you to see who your real identity is. Because your identity is not something you decide, it's something you discover. Let me say it again. Your identity is not something you decide, it's something you discover. And it's found in your history. We've been going through just the big rock stories of the Old Testament. And they're almost, it's almost crazy how this works. Maybe the Holy Spirit's orchestrated this, that each one of those on every given Sunday, it's almost prophetic of what, it, what the very season in which we find ourselves in, in America. And, and so Heidi last week spoke and she did a fantastic job on Deborah. Deborah was a bad woman, y'all. She was bad. And, and, I mean, good, but bad. I mean, she was, she was hold my purse type of woman. Did not take anything. And Barack, and I identify with Barack a little bit on, on that, because he's like, woman, I ain't going to war if you ain't going. And that's, that's how I've always felt about Heidi. I was like, baby, she's been in it to win it. Uh, she, she's not a pastor's wife who sits on the front row and looks pretty, though she does sit on the front row and looks pretty. She's in it to win it. She's in meetings and ha helping me. And honey, have you thought about this? I mean, she's, she's there. She's using her God-given influence to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Did y'all pick that up, girls? I didn't say her God-given nagging. I said her God-given influence. We'll talk about that another message. And so 
Troy, really lean in on this one, buddy. I'm just thinking about you. I, I, I see you. I see you on this one. And, and Philip, right? I told Philip, I called Philip this week and said, I'm preaching to you today. So would y'all mind just listening while I preach to Philip today? So Heidi finished up. We've got these judges now in Israel. By the way, judges were there because God never intended for Israel to have a king. He wanted to be the king. And so now these judges are coming in saying, hey, here's where righteousness is and here's where unrighteousness is. Deborah comes on the scene to lead back to God, not back to battle in victory, but back to God. And now, and then the scripture says, 40 years of peace came over Israel. Everybody say peace. I'm going to talk a little bit about peace. And then all of a sudden, we get to Judges chapter 6. 40 years of peace, and then we get to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. I want you to see what happens. 40 years. I don't know. We got some green on the screen today. Watch this. That, That means nothing. Just yellow. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So I want you to see this is the cycle. Ready? Here's the cycle. Israel cries out for God. They get victorious. They turn their hearts back towards God. 40 years of peace goes on. And then all of a sudden you get to Judges 6 and they're back in this continuous cycle over and over and over again. And you go, man, how do they do that? Well, they do it simply the same way that we do it. In fact, I'll give, you, I'll give you the two enemies that you always gotta be, you gotta be aware of in every one of our hearts. One is prosperity. You gotta be leery of prosperity. You gotta be leery. When God starts blessing you, something happens to us when God starts giving us prosperity. We, we, we start thinking, ooh, what can I do with the extra? So we buy stuff that we don't need to impress people we don't like. Why do we do that? Let let me me tell you, I've I've discipled multi, 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 multi multi-millionaire. Discipled him. There were times I walked away from that meeting going, I wouldn't trade places with that man for all of his money. He had more stuff that he laid in bed at night worrying about it because he couldn't even take care of all that his prosperity had brought him. He didn't know what to do with all of it and it was, it was wasting away his health. This is what would happen to God. And by the way, you go, well, I'm glad I ain't prosperous. Oh yeah, I'm sitting to the top 5% wage earners in the world are sitting in this very audience. If you're wanting to know who it is, just point to the person next to you because you're the richest people on the face of the earth. When you're prosperous, you decide whether you're going to church or going to the camp. When you're prosperous, you decide, prosperous, and and I'll I'll tell you a little bit about it. Let me give you the second one because I'm going to speak a little bit more about it. I ain't letting you off the hook yet. Warning you. Let me give you the second. 
is complacency. To become complacent. And and what do I mean by complacency? It, It means a feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. Or let me give you, let me give you, it it means to be unaware. Or here's another word, a synonym, to be asleep. It means, it means to, uh, uh, you remember in the, in the, in the Bible where Jesus, excuse me, Mary and Joseph are going to Bethlehem because that she's going to be born there or Jesus is in her womb and they knock on the inn's door and remember the gatekeeper of the door or the innkeeper, he comes down and remember what he says? Some of you need to read your Bible. There's, there's no room. There's no room. So they end up going to a stable and how many of you know, it went, it went too much longer. Three kings, wise men from, from the east come and give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How many of you know the innkeeper now goes, well, if I would have known who he was, I would have created room. Or y'all aren't hearing me. It's going, no, no, I'm full. I'm, I got enough. And, it, and this is the cycle that Israel keeps going through. Not, it, it, Midian isn't the problem. It's not the enemy on the outside that's going to kill you. It's the enemy on the inside that will destroy you. Prosperity and complacency. To go, I love God enough. I've got enough. I'm good. Proverbs 38 and 9 for the prosperous tells us, it says, first, help me never to lie, but second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, here's, here's, here's the trap. If I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? I don't need money. I don't need God because I got money. And if I'm too poor, I may steal, or I'll use the word shortcut. I'll take a shortcut and thus insult God's holy name. And just so everybody here, because I get in trouble when I start talking, using the word prosperity, let me give you the definition. Prosperity simply means God will entrust me with everything I need to accomplish the assignment that he has given me. Let me translate it the Bible way. Too much is given, much is required. Again, I'm talking to the richest people on the face of the earth. If you're sitting in this room, you're the richest people on the face of the earth. Prosperous. Which just means we got choices. That's all it means. Now let's go on to the book of Judges because Israel, here they go again, doing evil. They're going back through the cycle again. In Judges chapter six, verse two, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. So they weren't there all the time. They would plant their crops just about harvest time. Then the enemies from the east, the Midianites, would come to take their harvest. Ever been there? It's like every time you think your ship is about to come in, something usurps it, the deal falls through, 
Heidi used to say this all the time to me, baby, just one day when our ship comes in. And I finally just said, baby, could you quit saying that? Because there ain't no ship. And if there was a ship, it'd been sunk. It ain't coming in. We just got to keep plodding along little by little. Can I get a witness? Anybody in here just go, no, no, you just got to keep going. Watch what happens. So they would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming from their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on camels too numerous to count and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel, Yala, was reduced to starvation. That's important. By the Midianites, then... Then the Israelites cried out. You, you, ever, you ever been hungry? Some of you are hungry right now. You wait for me to get through with this message so you can go eat. Heidi told me last night, she does this ever so often. We had, a, we had a big lunch. She looked over at me and she goes, tonight for supper? And I'm going, yes, because I'm hungry again. She said, you own your own. How many men have ever heard that from your wife? You own your own. That means we have a sandwiches. <laughs> so I go to the refrigerator. I open up the refrigerator. I'm hungry. And I looked and we, have, we got leftover, we got leftover steak. We got leftover, leftover uh, stew, beef stew and mashed potatoes because Heidi's from Texas, and you don't just put beef stew, and, and, and we're from Texas, you don't put it on rice. You put it on mashed potatoes. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? So we had that leftover. We even had some, thank you, thank you, Tim. We even had some uh, pork steak. Man, they were good. Tim Bellard, Bellard Poultry, right there. Just a little commercial. This message is sponsored by Bellard Poultry. We, we, we had... We sit up and I'm hungry. I got options. Have you ever been starving? No, 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 no. Have you ever been starving? The, I, I, Heidi and I have always fasted at least once a year. We, we take an extended fast. The longest we ever did, I, I couldn't go 40 days. I, don't, I know people who have. We went 21 days, I think was the fastest, the longest that we've ever get. Let me tell you what happens when you fast about week, day 14. Everything you see looks good. You're making mental notes. When I get off this fast, I'm eating that. It don't matter what it is. Things you don't even like. After day 14, you're going, mm 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 mm. Man, that looks good. You will eat, at, we, we talked about how are we going to break the fast? What are we going to eat? We started making a list of all the things we're going to eat. Can I tell you what happened at day 21? I didn't care what we ate. It didn't matter where it was. Whatever they set in front of me, I'm going to eat. Hungry is not enough to cry out to God. It's at a place where you go, God, you're the only answer. I can't look to any other option. The bank account is not enough. The Democrats have gone whacked. The Republicans are smug. I don't know who we're going to look to. There is only one answer, and his name is Jesus. 
No, you're not hungry. You're not starving yet. And they cry out to God. And I love this, God's, God's gonna answer. Pr- prayer was their last resort. Why do we do that? Why do we wait till the end instead of going to God every day? Did you not know? He said, my mercies are brand new for you every single morning. I'll meet you there. You don't have to go to last resort. You can go first resort. He already knows what your need is before you even ask him. Watch what happens. They cry out. Lord. Oh, he's going to answer. And when they cried out because of Midian, they cried out because of Midian. The Lord sends them a prophet. I don't know about you, when I cry out, I don't need a preacher. Just answer my prayer request, God. God sends them a prophet. Oh, this is, remember I told you Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. We, we, we need Jesus, and he's, he's not going to send Jesus yet until he sends John the Baptist. He's going to send John the Baptist first. And, and, and you see, this is almost like before, before Jesus comes, John comes. And to the Israelites, he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Watch this. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from everyone who's oppressed you. I drove you out your enemies and gave you this land. I told you, I'm the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. What is he saying? The Midianites are not the problem. Oh, no, 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 Let's, let me break it down. Can I go O-Town on you? Yeah. It, it may be my lack of resources may not be your problem. It, it, it's not the enemy without, on the outside. It may just be a result of what's going on on the inside. And this is what he's saying to them. No, 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 you, you think it's Midian. Midian is not your problem. Your problem is not on the outside. Your problem is on the inside. The problem is sin. The problem is prosperity. When you got prosperity, you started going to complacency. When you got prosperity, you started seeing what else you could buy and what else you could meet your own desires and needs instead of recognizing maybe God was prospering you so that you could be a blessing. Revival is the only answer for America. It's the only answer for Opelousas, for St. Landry Parish. Let me me jump into our hero here because you got to get just a little bit of him. And and, and I'll I'll talk a little more because I'm going to close in 24 minutes. 
Then the angel of the Lord came. He sends the prophet first to, to let them know, hey, here's, here's what the problem is. It's not Midian. It's the enemy inside you. And the angel of the Lord came. By the way, this is going to be, I believe we call it a theophany. It's where Jesus is going to show up in the Old Testament. He's going to come. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Ab, Ab, that guy. Gideon, son of Joash, Gideon, everybody say Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide grain from the Midianites. So normally you would thresh wheat. You've seen, you've maybe seen some pictures that you would do it on the outside so the wind could blow away the chaff. But he's inside, down in a hole on the wine press, hiding. And he's down there. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And he's, he's hiding, right? He's hiding, but that's not what the Lord says to him. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I, I, love, I love how God, God doesn't speak to where you're at. He speaks to where you, what you're going to be. He, he speaks to what you're becoming. So, so there are times, y'all here, y'all know what we call people, right, Tim? We call, hey, man of, man of God. People call me man of God. Man, there's times I don't feel like a man of God, but I appreciate, no, I am a man of God. I am a man of God. I don't always feel like it, but I, I appreciate when God's going to come and speak over you who you really are. And he says, so Gideon replied, watch what, I love this about Gideon. Well, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever said that? Well, I've been going to church, then why is all this happening? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? I've prayed this very prayer. Lord, where are the miracles? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Listen to me, America. Listen to me, Appaloosas. Listen to me, St. Landry. And Evangeline Parish. God has not abandoned us. We've abandoned him. We abandoned him. We, we start walking our own way and God says, I'll just wait right here. It's like, it's like Heidi when I forget to open the door for her at the car. She'll just stand there. She'll wait for me. We, 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 we go around our own side doing our own thing and, and, and he just waits. He waits. He's asking the right questions. Where are you, God? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Opelousas, I mean Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. Say that with me. Oh, I will be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. My, my strength's not enough. Strategy's not enough. My wisdom is not enough. My strength is not enough. 
I'm going to need supernatural. I'm going to need supernatural. Not my natural strength because it's weak. I'm weak. But how how many of you know the scripture says, in your weakness, he is made strong. It means he's going to make up whatever you're lacking. And he said he'll be with you. And this is what he's saying to Gideon. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering. Victor, come and help me, and I'm just going to tell you the rest of the story. I've got to give you four quick thoughts. He's going to go bring an offering. I love this about him. He's going to bring an offering. He's going to bring something tangible to honor what he believes is the Lord, the word of the Lord. He's going to bring some food back. And and I'll tell you quickly, because I don't have time to do this justice. And when he brings it back, he says, place it on the rock. He places it on the rock, and he touches the rock, and the rock consumes fire, consumes the meal that he brought back. And then from that moment on, I love this about him, and then Gideon realized it was, verse 22, that it was an angel of the Lord, and he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord replied, it's all right. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is what? Shalom, the Lord is peace. Now I want you to just to go through this, right? Remember, threshing floor, hiding from the Midianites. Who are we? Oh my gosh, the anxiety, the fear, all of that's going on inside of him. And I know nobody's wrestling with anxiety and fear. Walking through that depression, walking through that, and that he's going to come and this this angel of the Lord is going, that he doesn't know is an angel of the Lord. It's in bodily form. Jesus is in bodily form. And then he's going to give him a sign. He's going to burn the sacrifice. And from that moment, he says, I'm going to build an altar to you, the Lord, and I'm going to call it Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Look at me. I know these are tough days we're walking through. Man, just watch CNN, Fox News, your news of choice. Just watch it. I get so mad at the TV. You're going to walk out and go, oh my gosh. What are we going to do? Craziness. It's It's going to get crazier. Just, I, just, just when it does, you can say, Pastor Eugene told us it was going to get crazier. It's going to get darker. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, you're scaring me. No, no, I'm not scaring you. Because there is one, when you, uh, when you see what God sees, Kizzy, and when you say what God is saying, the shalom, the peace of God will come over. The, script, the New Testament says it's a peace that passes understanding. It just means, how can you be at peace in such a time as this? And so you've got from fear, anxiety, now he's coming and going, I'm going to create an altar. I now have peace that the Lord is working even in the midst of this. Look at me. He is working in the midst of all of this. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me land the plane real quick. He's going to tell him, here's what I want you to do. Before we go to war, I want you to go tear down the high places that your daddy built 
to the prophets of Baal, or to, to Baal, or this is how you really pronounce it, Dr. Scott told me, Baal, Baal. I want you to, want you to go tear down the high places and that Asherah pole. By, by the way, Baal, Baal was the God that they looked to to control the weather, the climate. 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 The Asherah pole was there beside it, was a, was a tall pole that they would use to Asherah, the fertility or erotica. Now, now here's what they didn't do. They didn't do away with Jehovah God. They just supplemented other things to God. He is a jealous God. He will not share his position or place on your heart with any other lover other than him. Are you hearing me? Could you imagine Heidi coming to me after church? You go, oh, I forgot to tell you. I just wanted to say, I'm going to start dating other people. No, 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 that ain't happening. We, we, we ain't doing that. There's, there's only one. There is, there is only one that deserves that place in our life with our submission to him, to his authority, and to his word. And he said, I want, I want you to tear that down. And that's, that's what he's going to do. And he's actually going to tear that down. And then he's going to get into chapter 7. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to fast forward. You read it. I'm going to get into chapter 7. And he says, it's time to go to war. And so he gathers troops to go against Midian. And he gets 32,000, 32,000 troops. And that is, and let me tell you, the Midians had 135,000. So 32 versus 135,000. So if you just, that's one Israelite to every four Midians. And God's going to say to him, you got too many. And he said, tell everybody who's afraid they can go home. Anybody afraid? We're one to four right now, guys. One to four. Anybody who's afraid, you can go home. 22,000 left that day. Now he's got 10,000 versus 135. Let me do the math real quick in my head. That's one to every 13. So the odds are even worse. And he said, there's still too many, Gideon. What are we going to do? He said, I want you to take them to the lake or to the river and have them drink from the river. And so they did. And there's some of them reached down and picked up, the, picked up the water from the river with the cup of their hands. And they drank like this, looking for the enemy. And there was about 9,700 of them that drank like dogs, like this. And he said, everybody that drank and put their mouth down to the river, tell them they can go home. So it only leaves 300 left. Gideon and 300 versus 135,000. Let me give you the odds of that. The odds of that is one, one Israelite to every 450 of the others. But here, here's why, because he didn't, why, why would God do that? Oh, he's, he's not afraid of the odds. In fact, the worse the odds, the greater the glory that he's going to get that no one could ever say. It was from Gideon, the odds. And so he's going to, he's, and he's going to tell him, see, here, here's what happens. He says, get to the front lines, take a jar, take a torch, and take a trumpet. Give everybody a jar, 
a torch, and a trumpet. And they're going to get up near the front lines, and they're getting close enough to the front lines they can hear a Midianite guard talk to one of the other guards, one of the other watchmen, and said, man, I had a dream last night. What was your dream last night? There was a barley loaf of bread that rolled off the mountain down into our camp and started, started killing everybody. And, 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 the, and it, was, it was Gideon. And it, it was Gideon. And man, I'm just telling you, I had this dream. And man, it just rolled, this barley loaf just rolled down and just smashed us all. And, and so that, guess what happened? That started going around the, around the camp. Hey man, one of our dudes had a dream that Gideon was a barley loaf of bread and he just rolled on down, smashed us all. Man, whoo, man, really? We had, yeah, I had a dream. And so, y'all checking? And then, so when it was time to go, he said, smash the light, poosh, blow the trumpet, and then yell a sword for the Lord and Gideon. And they screamed and Gideon because they didn't know the Lord. But Gideon, they knew. Gideon, yeah, it was a big loaf of bread named Gideon. <laughs> Come roll it through. And Gideon! Oh, look, look at me. I don't think we actually know who we really are. We, we don't. Listen, when you walk into your workplace and you act and live like a man of God... Even those who oppose you, when they're off in their camp, they're saying, oh my word, he like a barley loaf. No, no, you don't realize, you don't realize what happens with people. They, you could walk in and they go, oh, uh, we, we were at our little gym the other day and they said, uh, we have a pastor in our midst and the people in my gym went, oh my gosh, who is it? It's not... It's who you represent. It's who you represent. Go in your strength, not in your strength, in his strength of who he's created you to be. You are the light of the world, salt of the earth. Your business might be flourishing. You might work at Walmart and you go, well, I don't, Walmart making all kinds of money. You know why? Because you work there. It's blessed because you're there. Are you hearing me? Let, let me, let me, oh, there's great victory happens. They kill everybody. They kill everybody. Gideon kills everybody. Read, read the rest of the story because I want to give you, I, I got to land it real quick. And guess what? At the end of this battle, there were 40 years of peace. Let me give you four quick thoughts. Here they are. Number one, our nation is at a time is no longer in a time of peace. We're watching the, ra the racial divisions, political polarization, tribalism, social media is only adding fuel to that fire that now we keep getting further and further and further and further apart. Our nation is at gridlock. You're about to see, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, I'm, this is not a prophetic word. But you're starting to see even the separations of states. You're going to begin to see these things happen. And you're, you're watching it happen. And, and by the way, you're going to hear things like global warming, climate. You're going to hear that. And look at, look at me right here. Do I believe that the, the earth is warming? 
The answer is, I do believe that the earth is warming. But I want to give you the answer. The answer is not for us all to go buy an electric car. The answer is, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Are you tracking with me? So our, our, our problem is not CO2. Our problem is sin. Our nation is no longer in a time of peace. Number two, the enemy is in your house. I, I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember some of you. If you remember this movie, 13 or 14, I was 13, 14. It was a horror movie. It's called The Stranger in Your House. And the, the whole movie was about a teenage girl. She was babysitting and she kept getting these prank calls and they would go, I'm going to kill you. You know, just all this, ah, yank, 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 ah, this is like a thriller. Oh my gosh. And finally she gets the police involved and they tap the phone call. They tap their phones and then they call her and she goes, you know, she's getting this call. Have you checked the children? The baby, the baby, sorry. And then the phone rings again. She picks up and it's the police. And they go, he's in your house. The whole time of the movie, he's calling from another room, calling her the whole time he's in the house. We keep looking on the outside when the enemy's not on the outside. The enemy is on the inside. Prosperity and complacency. Let me tell you, I love 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, rich people, because you're rich. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So be it, amen. Complacency. Jesus walking, the spirit of Christ walking through the churches of Revelation, walking through and saying, I know your works, that you were neither cold nor hot, would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. It's that day and that hour. And watch this, number three. Here's a peace before battle. He didn't ask, he didn't ask Gideon to go to war until he had peace. I've said this for 30 years, so it must be true. One word from God changes everything. 
You could be sitting in this room right now depressed, anxious, popping medication to deal with your anxiety. But one word, one touch from God can change. I, I, I love counseling. I believe in counseling. I believe in freedom retreats. I believe in all those things. But one thing changes when the Holy Spirit shows up and visits with you and tells you something. You can take it to the bank. Everything changes and we need the Holy Spirit. He gives him peace. And now he says, let's go to a battle. Let me give you number four. I just love this about Gideon. Just radical obedience. Whatever God told him to do, he just did it. He didn't even ask. I don't know about you. If God said, get a trumpet, get a jar, and get a torch. I am say, God, what you got in mind? No, no questions. Just radical obedience. Let me me break that down for you so you understand what that means. It means you're going to be in Walmart. You're going to be in line. And somebody's going to start talking to you. And you're going to see a need in their life. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And he's going to say, pray for them. And you're going to go, oh, I ain't going to do that right here, Walmart. No, no, just do it. Just grab, can I pray for you? Grab their hand and say, Lord, I pray for them. Peace of the Lord that passes understanding. Guard their heart and mind in Jesus' name. Just do it. Just whatever the Holy Spirit says, do it. Philip, are you listening? Just whatever he says to do, you do it. You just do it. I'm in a coffee shop in Alexandria. I do that because I don't want to go to a coffee shop around here because all y'all bug me half to death. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. And so I go to Alexandria. I'm in there, and I, I'm in the I'm in the coffee shop. I didn't even tell you Heidi this. I mean, this old man walks in. The whole coffee shop is empty, but no, he gonna sit right by me. I'm writing this message. I'm I'm in there, and he gonna sit right there. Then he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" I go, <laughs> "I got my earphones in. Everything. Earphones means I don't want to talk to you." So I'm I'm doing I'm just. Yeah, all right, all right, right. Peace before battle. And he's like, hi, how you doing? Where you from? I said, ah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I used to live down there. Boy, did you know that within a 40-mile radius of Lafayette is the best food in the world? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's great. That's great. I knew that. And he goes, yeah, because I've traveled all over the world. Really? Uh-huh. That's great. That's great. His brother ain't getting no clue. And I'm trying to get him away from me. I'm not, I'm not just, I just keep typing. That's great, sir. Uh-huh. Just keep. Yeah, he, and then all of a sudden he gets up. He's, getting, he's moving his stuff around. And then he falls. No, don't, 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 be, don't be blessing his heart. <laughs> then he falls. I mean, just smash. And then I go, oh, great. So now I got to get up, help him. Get him to his chair. Sir, you okay? Yeah, I've been having... These problems with my same thing. And, I'm just, 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 and he goes to this long thing. He tells me everything that's wrong with him. The doctors, I know the one doctor was terrible. And so he got another doctor. But the only reason I got to that doctor is because he knew her, her, her uh, aunt. And that's the only way you can get in because nobody can get in there. And he's telling me the whole story. And then, and then the Holy Spirit's just going, pray for him. Sir, could I pray for you? 
Well, yes. Lord, I pray for the healing virtue of the cross of Christ that you died on to save us from our sins, to heal this man's body. In Jesus' name. He's like, thank you. You got it. I don't know the results of that. I don't get a right to know the results. I'm just supposed to be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit says. When let me tell you, let me tell you what's let me tell you complacency. We all run up in here to have church when we should be running from here to take the church to the people who need the church. So I'm praying right now, right now, I'm praying for a divine encounter for you this week. A divine encounter. It's going to come. You're going to go, oh my gosh. I ain't got time. No, no. Every miracle I've ever witnessed or seen in my life disguised disguised itself as inconvenient. It never comes at the right time. You, You never get up and go, I'm ready for a miracle right now. No, no, they come like, hey, where are you from? I'm doing my sermon, sir. It, it comes and it's disguised as inconvenient. And I'm going to pray that you get that moment this week. Would you be willing to do that? Come on, peace. Peace of the Lord. Come and cover this congregation. Would you just lift your hands? Peace of the Lord. Come and cover this congregation now. Lord, you got this. You got it. It's in your hands. It's all in your hands. Father, we need revival to come to America. We don't trust in White Houses, Congresses. We trust in you, the maker of heaven and earth. You said the heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will endure forever. And now I pray, Father, that the perfect peace that passes understanding will guard the heart and mind of your people. In fact, every time we see negative, we'll lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, that you're still on the throne and that you're working all things out for our good. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, I pray for the divine moment and divine opportunity. I pray, Father, for them now that they'll recognize it this week. Complacency doesn't recognize the opportunity. But, Father, that our eyes would be attentive to what we see and our ears open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Now, Father, I pray for the healing virtue of Christ to be in the hands that we lift now and that you would use them for your glory and your honor. I pray for the prophetic unction of the Holy Spirit, that the word of the Lord, words of knowledge. Father, I pray over words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic words would flow out of our voice, divine wisdom from heaven that we could speak to Father when we see the need and that you would use us as an instrument for your glory and your honor. We receive it. Just tell him I receive that today, Lord. With every head bowed and eyes closed, Christians, would you be praying? Let me tell you where peace starts. He is the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. He loves you. You might be here today. You don't even know why you're here. You might have walked into this house today and I I pray that it was already been a divine encounter for you. And you might be here and you don't know where you would spend eternity. You know, it's, the Bible says it's appointed man wants to die 
and then the judgment, we all get out the same way. We die. This body quits. Where would you spend eternity? Where would you? you I'm I'm not good enough. The Bible says there's none that's good. No, not one. That's why we gather every Sunday because we, we know there, there is, we needed saving. We needed someone to come and save us from our sin because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And only perfection gets to heaven. How perfect are you? For God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to go to a cross, to live a perfect, sinless life, to go on the, die on the cross to pay for our sins. The scripture tells us that the sins of the world were put on Jesus and he died for them. But he didn't just die. He rose again. He got up from the grave and he's alive today and he's here. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He'll forgive you of every sin you've ever committed if you'll make him the Lord of your life. If you'll invite him in, if you'll repent of your sin, complacency, prosperity, living our own selfish way, our desires. And if you'll repent, he says he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jesus said you can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom until you've been born again. How do you do that? It's easy as A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus came to pay the sin penalty by giving us life on the cross. And C, confess him as your Lord and Savior. That's you today. I want to pray with you right now. I'm just asking all over this room, just be praying. Christians pray. If you want to know this Savior, this Jesus, and make him the king of your life, submitting your life to him, to follow him all your days, I'll be glad to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up high right now so I know who I'm praying with? Hold it up high. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand in the back, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Congregation, can we add our voice to there? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, You took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin to be born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise? Thank him.